Welcome to Startup to Scale, a podcast by Food Bevy. I'm your host, Jordan Buckner. Join me as I talk to aspiring entrepreneurs, seasoned industry experts, and everyone in between as we unlock the keys to growing from startup to scale. Hey everyone, Jordan with the Startup to Scale podcast, and I'd like to welcome you to episode two of our Finance for CPG mini series. If you missed the first episode, definitely go back and check that out first and then come back to this one so you can get all caught up to speed. Today, we're going to be talking about common CPG accounting mistakes with our partner, Alice from My Pocket CFO. She's the founder, and My Pocket CFO is a one-stop platform to make finance management for e-commerce companies simpler. They're now working with 20 companies on the platform to uh, make that whole accounting and finance process a lot easier so that you can focus on your business. Alice herself has been serving in a CFO and financial planning capacity for Fortune 500 companies and e-commerce startups in the past decade. She's raised $25 million in VC funding and over $10 million in alternative financing before. She's also a McKinsey and Wharton alumni. So Alice, welcome back for episode two. Thanks, Jordan. Um, glad to be here again. I had uh, I had a lot of fun in the first episode, so I look forward to continue this amazing experience with you and um, our audience. Amazing. So just as a bit of a preview today, we're going to be talking about a lot of the common CPG accounting mistakes, everything from uh, managing inventory incorrectly, COGS, managing distributor chargebacks, Amazon sales, Shopify sales, and more. Um, and to make sure that you have a better understanding of your business, but also so that when you're working with investors or some of these alternative financing methods, you are using proper accounting practices. So let's jump right into it. Um, Alice, what are some of those common uh, accounting mistakes that we just kind of talked about and confusion points? And what problems are those causing for, for founders? Okay, great question to start. And before I jump into the details to talk about those common mistakes or confusion points, I'd like to point it out that it is one of our mission to educate and elevate our customer, i.e. founders in e-commerce brands to know better about your financial performance, also know better about fin financial terms uh, so that you, like when you, when you view the, the financial statement, you know exactly what's going on, right? I, um, I don't think you need to be an accountant to know some of the basic finance knowledges. So that's why I'm here. I'm uh, trying to be a evangelist to spread a little bit of financial knowledge. And I really think um, it may just take something like be aware of to elevate your financial knowledge um, by, by bounce. So, I okay, love that so, mission uh, because I can just say from experience, so many founders um, run into to problems with finance and their accounting and they kind of just like sweep it under the rug and pretend like it doesn't exist <laughs> and move on versus actually uh, working with someone to solve it and make sure it's correct. Yeah, exactly. And, and um, you know what, this is pretty much what I do on a daily basis with my current customers as well. In the beginning, I worry a little bit. They may feel 
it's boring, they don't understand, but actually every one of them loved this conversation. They loved, um, it, you know, after every, after every meeting I had with them, they were like, wow, I know so much about finance than before. So anyway, um, without further ado, I'm gonna dive into the common mistakes. So based on our experience working with CPG customers, we summarized, uh, I would say in high level, there are three common accounting mistakes that CPG brands make. The first and uh, for most, the first one, we, what we found out is 90% of our clients when we started with them, they mistake the spending on inventory asset for cost, um, cost of goods sold. So to simply put, spending on inventory should be categorized as inventory asset, which should be go into your balance sheet. And spending on cost of goods sold is an expense item, which should go onto your profit and loss statement. So that's just that, that in short is the, it is a day and night difference. If you categorize those spending wrong, like I would say a lot of our customers initially categorize a lot of their spending on inventory into cost of goods sold, which as a result produced very low gross margin because their cost of goods sold were heavily inflated, which was actually a mistake, right? So um, that would be the first one. And um, I can come back to dive a little bit detail into, um, into each, how we should come into inventory asset and COX, for example. But um, let me finish the three first. So the second common mistake is, um, I would say, how to properly record chargebacks. This is one of the most mentioned pain points or issues raised by our uh, founders, CPG brand builders. I would say, um, again, a simple way we recommend, and um, in my pocket CFO, that's how we are actually releasing a feature to take care of that, is think of um, your, like when you issue an invoice to your distributor, the amount on your invoice, think of that as a gross sales amount. For example, if you issue a you know, 10K invoice to, um, I don't know, Keyhole or Unify, think of that as a gross amount. And then whenever they pay back, typically they pay back a reduced amount because uh, they use that gross amount to minus their fees and service charges, so on and so forth. So as a result, they only pay you, for example, 8K. And when uh, in, in my pocket CFO, how we treat that is when our founder needs to associate that payout from their customer, let's say from Unify or Keyhole to that particular invoice, um, we would automatically ask our customer to confirm, okay, you issued a 10K invoice, now you get a payout of 8K. Shall we record the difference, the, two, the 2K as a chargeback? So that's simply how we could take care of that almost instantly and automatically for our customer. And, um, and, and I would say one thing to, to remember that chargeback is also an income 
item. It's just the income with a negative um, balancing amount. So in that way, you pretty much on your PL, you would see is the gross sales of 10K and chargeback of 2K, and then your net sales would be 8K. So that's just the simplest way to think about how to take care of chargeback, right? And the third, I would say third common mistake, um, obviously um, we're talking about e-commerce brands. Most of them, if not all, they sell on Shopify and Amazon. And it's, um, there are also other platforms similar like Etsy, right? So um, I would say that's, um, if you think about the nature of those sales, uh, it's a platform sales, but you don't get, so first of all, you don't issue invoice, but also you don't get the cash back right away. Um, so in that case, what we uh, re recommend, the best practice, that's also what my pocket CFO does automatically is we automatically create a platform specific clearing account. So we would create a, um, you know, Shopify uh, receivable clearing account for all, just to come for all Shopify sales and Amazon receivable clearing account to, to take care of all the uh, receivables when the sales happens and also take care of the, the payback when the actual cash comes in. So those are at very high level, I would say the most common, I would say either confusion points, pain points or mistakes are um, CPG customers. I love each of those. And they're something that I hear brands mentioning every, every week. Um, so let's dive into them a little more, starting with uh, brands who are incorrectly labeling inventory as cost of goods sold without going on the balance sheet first. And so I know you mentioned that it one one reason to do it correctly is it uh, changes your it, it it changes your cogs. And so if you're looking at your uh, your your cost of goods sold, they're actually incorrect if you're not doing it correctly. Um, and you really don't know what those are besides calculating it separately on a um, on a spreadsheet. And so by categorizing it correctly, then you can actually get a ongoing list of what your, your car cards are, right? Yeah, totally. That's why, um, you know, we, and the outset, we educate our customers that for any, so again, just a, a kind of cheat sheet to think about what should go into your inventory asset categorization. There are four types. So, so the first one is any material spending that goes into your finished goods should be categorized as inventory. Second would be any, any spending on packaging that goes as an integral part of your, again, finished goods. You know, the, the label, the, the, the bottle or the wrapper, right? Those should be categorized as inventory. The third one would be production cost. It's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, any spending you pay to the co-packer or you hire production worker, it should be categorized as uh, inventory. The fourth one where many people miss is that actually the shipping cost from the production site to your warehouse should be categorized as part of inventory assets. So I know inventory spending isn't something like daily spending you need to categorize uh, pretty often. And um, actually it happens on a batch basis. Every time you need to produce a batch, let's say some 
some CPG brand produce every quarter um, or every 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 other month. In that case, uh, when you when you do that batch production, remember to categories categorize uh, material packaging production cost and uh, shipping from production to uh, warehouse. Remember to categorize spending on those four categories under inventory asset. That's really good. one the one area that really confused and still kind of does confuses me is thinking about um, a production, like a, a labor, direct labor expense as an asset. Um, because with T-squares, we manufacture our own product and we had a team of four who were direct kind of labor towards that product. And it was kind of confusing of how to think about that as a asset when we were also paying it as payroll. Um, and so trying to put those two things together is really confusing. Yeah, yeah, understand. Um, but, but think about, um, I mean, all those spending were towards producing the end product. That's where you, you need to have an accurate um, account for in order for you to, to assess what, what price you should charge on the unit basis. What should be your unit pricing so your unit pricing could cover your unit cost, right? That actually, that, that, that's a great point to talk about cost of goods sold. Um, so inventory is go by batch, but cost of goods sold is always associated with the product being sold and always associated with um, a unit level, right? So um, we would come for cost of goods sold whenever and only when you sell a product, you know, like when you when you sell a product on Shopify or Amazon or, or you ship product to a distributor or a retailer, that's where we need to account for the corresponding cost that goes into that product got shipped from your warehouse to your customer's hands or to your retailer's place. Um, so you need to account for if I shipped out you know, a, 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 a pallet or if I shipped out a box of bars, you know, from Shopify to my customer of that. So I sell that at, you know, $20, $20 of that box. Out of that $20, what is the amount that should be deducted from, from your inventory, right? Your inventory is cost-based. The cost of goods sold is deduct the corresponding cost as percentage of sales when you ship out that box. So that's how accounting basically balance out and reconcile between, okay, here's how many products you sold, here's the amount of cost of goods sold I should deduct. Therefore, we, we actually would do a journal entry to deduct the cost of goods sold from your inventory asset. Um, so your inventory would, would be reduced as you start selling the product. So that's how those two accounts work differently and how they should reconcile with each other. Great. Uh, I know there's a lot there and if, if anyone's listening to it and, and a little confused, like it is detailed and that's why it's important to work with someone like Alice or an accountant to make sure that you're, you're doing this correctly because there's lots of room for error. And so let's move yeah. to the next topic that gets a lot of error, which is distributor chargebacks um, and go into to detail there. Yeah, distributor chargeback. Um, 
some of the challenges I, you know, I heard from my clients is for a lot of the distributors, they, they don't tell you a chargeback. Also, you don't know they would, uh, they would charge our chargeback. Um, and there's no detailed light items of that chargeback. So that creates a lot of challenges accounting-wise or even business-wise for our brand builders to know how to properly account for that so we can view a, a more accurate, we can have a more accurate picture of our net sales, right? Um, I think the, the, there, there are multiple ways to do that. Again, the simplest way is whenever they pay you back, either on one invoice or on combination of multiple invoices, our system, um, or you can basically count the whatever the difference between your gross issued amount and whatever the net pay, and then count the difference as the chargeback. Another option, which is more sophisticated, again, um, our program can do that, is because sometimes the chargeback comes a lot later, right? Um, they could do more chargeback in, you know, in a, in a year end uh, versus, you know, they may pay, pay more on some of the invoices uh, in the beginning or middle of the year. So um, if you are a business with considerable, I would say um, long hit operating history with this, this customer, you may be able to look at the historical chargeback, let's say chargeback of the last year, and then you may be able to estimate um, the average, let's say monthly chargeback or quarterly chargeback by this customer. And another way actually is to, um, if you want to proactively take the charge back so that it gives you more accurate picture, you could actually assume a, you know, average monthly charge back and we could record that on your, on your um, PNL as an estimated charge back per month. And then for, you know, let's say by end of the year, we can do a true up for the actual chargeback. So that's another way to do it. But the simplest way, again, is it could just be, you know, uh, take the difference. Um, like even if you start recording chargeback separately into a, a separate category, that's a improvement to help you understand what your net sales is versus the gross sales. Great, I think that's that's awesome. And so let's dive into next um, Amazon and Shopify sales because, as you mentioned, having lots of kind of little transactions coming in all the time can uh, can kind of feel overwhelming, especially when um, a lot of times Amazon and Shopify just kind of drop the final distributed payment amount into your uh, QuickBooks account into your bank account and doesn't necessarily record the full sale or any merchant fees within there. Right, right. So um, in my pocket CFO, we actually, we have separate, as I mentioned, we have a separate Amazon, um, we open a separate Amazon clearing account and uh, Shopify clearing account, and we could open separate platform-based clearing account um, if needed. For example, many customers say, oh, I, I sell a lot on Etsy, for example example, we could do an Etsy-specific clearing account. Again, the nature of that platform selling is it is a accrual-based selling because you don't get the payback right away. Um, 
but you don't issue invoice and it's not feasible because it's DTC sale. There are so many hundreds or thousands or more customers. Um, it's going to take too much time to issue invoice per customer, right? Also, uh, Amazon and Shopify payback, um, kind of like distributor, they're sooner, but uh, they do payback later. So you have to take care of that cash and accrual based selling receivable reconciliation. So there, there are a number of consideration factors there you have to take care of. And the best practice, best way we recommend again is to open a platform specific clearing account. So when that sales happens, for example, my pocket CFO, we download all the re, uh, real real time sales on a daily basis from Amazon and Shopify. And then we count all of those sales as again gross uh, receivable sales into that clearing account. And then when you know Shopify pays every two days, Amazon pays every two weeks. So whenever they pay, they pay out into um, the bank. We actually, we again, automatically recognize, oh, it's a payout from Amazon or Shopify. And then we actually, uh, we would create counter journal entries. We still drop those transactions into that clear account, but those payout would have a actually a negative, um, a, a negative amount so that they, they could basically um, counter the original receivable amount. So the receivables will reduce as payout comes in. Um, on the other hand, the cash, your, your cash in checking account would increase because you receive cash. So this gets into a little bit deeper into the accounting journal entry practice, but I hope uh, that makes sense to you. That's basically how we use a clearing account basically to, to continuously and ongoing basis count for all the uh, receivable sales and cash reconciliation against the receivables. No, I think that's great. And I think um, one area where a lot of our founders listening, like if you're really small, you might think like, oh, well, you know, my total sales versus my net sales is not like a huge mm -hmm. difference. So it doesn't make a big impact. But anytime, like as you, you want to set these practices early so that you have um, accurate financial um, accounting so that when you're looking for loans or taking on investment or doing taxes, you have the correct information in there um, and aren't scrambling to go back and try to figure out what's what so that you are providing an, an accurate picture of your business. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great point. Um, it, it exactly because when it comes to when you go out seeking a um, let's say a long short term loan, when you when you talk to those lenders on the market, they uh, have a critical eye. So typically, they would want to, you know, uh, they, they would want to look into your sales number. And, and typically they're not looking at gross sales. They're actually looking at net sales. In many cases, they, um, they would even go even more strict. They would just look at your cash sales. So um, yeah, so it would be great, you know, from starting point, uh, you, you have a clear idea of how those different sales numbers look like for you. And, uh, and so anytime when you talk to a lender, you, you have a clear idea of what they're looking for in terms of, okay, if it's cash sales, what is the threshold they're looking for? If it's net sales, what is the number they're looking for uh, versus gross sales? 
Right. Alice, that makes so much sense, but there's so much depth and complexity in there. So thanks so much for reviewing the common CPG accounting mistakes that brands are currently making. And I'm guessing anyone listening to this is probably making at least one of those right now, if not all. Uh, so if you do need help, Alice is here to help at My Pocket CFO. She helps founders like this all the time and design her services to work with emerging brands who are just getting started or medium-sized companies as well. So you know, if you are interested, we'll put info for Alice and her team in the show notes, but she does have a special offer for our Food Bevy and Start to Scale listeners, where you can try out their auto bookkeeping for introductory price of $99 for the first three months, which is 50% off their normal price to $199 a month. And if you're interested, just shoot me an email and we'll get that over to, um, to you so you can get signed up. Alice, thanks so much for being on today and looking forward to our next episode, which is going to be really fun. We're going to be talking about uh, cash flow and working capital. Thank you so much, Jordan. I look forward to the next uh, session as well. Thanks. <laughs>